0: As a business owner, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's in it for the employee. Some would say too much time, but my motivations are not as altruistic as my critics might think. In fact, my whole reason for figuring out what's in it for the employee is pretty selfish. Stay tuned and I'll explain exactly what I mean. Running a service business can be hard. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So here's the thing. I'm selfish, and I want what I want. I have standards I want met. I don't want to lower those standards. I don't want to have to explain to somebody why those standards are the way they are, I I want what I want. I don't want to have to be bothered with babysitting or micromanaging or overseeing critical details that, quite frankly, I should be able to trust people to take care of on their own. I'm also quite impatient. I want what I want, like yesterday. (laughs) I'm not a fan of waiting for things. In short, I want the shortest path possible to getting exactly what I want with the least amount of energy and effort required for me. So when I speak in places or somebody meets me for the first couple of times or people come to classes I put on or whatever, and I say things like, We gotta figure out what's in it for the employee. Oftentimes they look at me like I have antennas in my head. Like, what are you talking about? We have to figure out what's in it for the employee. They get a paycheck, don't they? We have a a great family culture here. We have great benefits. They're making $25 an hour. When I was the, you know, their age and making this, we we start we go down this whole path where we're People just think I'm nuts for even asking this question. Like they get paid a wage. They're supposed to do the thing. That's where it's supposed to end. And I just have learned over, you know, decades now that 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 approach has varying (laughs) kinds of results. (laughs) Results may vary, as they say. So one of the things that you've heard me talk about before, if you've been listening for quite a while, I haven't talked about this in, in, in maybe over a year or two. I don't know. It's been a while, but. I had a, a boss who was not a very kind person, wasn't very friendly, wasn't very fun to work for. And he would very much say I worked for him. <laughs> There's no question. But he introduced me to this concept of the three legged stool. And the three legged stool is the theory goes like this Imagine, um, you know, we, have, we, 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 our success rests upon a three legged stool. And the first leg is what's in it for the company. The second leg is what's in it for the customer. The third leg is, What's in it for the employee? If any one of those three legs is broken or cut or whatever, the stool falls over. And while he wasn't a very nice guy, he understood the idea that we can't just force people to do things because we say. We have to help them connect the dots in some cases on what why would they would want to do this thing. Or if we're not going to do that, then I do have to spend time micromanaging. I do have to spend time forcing and babysitting and measuring and and you know overseeing and being available to to check in and all these things that we complain about doing as business owners, we, we have to do all those things if we don't have a staff of people who generally want to do the right thing. And so when I tell people my goal is not for compliance as a leader of a team or a business owner or department manager or whatever compliance is not my goal. My goal is for these people to want to do the thing that the company needs and the customers need and their coworkers need and I need and they need. My goal is for them to want to do this thing, not to have to do this thing. And that leads me down a different path. There's different strategies used when your goal is to get somebody to want to do something versus having to do something. So that's the first thing I think it's important to understand is I'm a firm believer in the three-legged stool. And I will tell you, I spent, the majority of my career leading people in teams, not following the three-legged stool and making demands and, and being disappointed. And when my, when my demands weren't met and I was disappointed, um, ranting or raving or, or demanding or threatening or pleading or whatever, there's all kinds of different things I tried to get people to do things when I didn't want to figure out what was in it for them. And I just wanted them to do it because that's what needed to be done that's what the customer needs that's what the company needs that's what their coworkers need that's what i need well unfortunately none of us make decisions like that there's not one of us that makes decisions like that so i had to get intentional about do i want things to be kind of a top down we're going to put these things upon people these concepts these ideas these strategies these procedures you know the the customer journey like are we going to we're going to force this upon people or could we work with them and help them develop us, help us develop things and, you know, let things be their idea? Uh, and I'm going to give you an example here in a second. Like we, if you've, if you've managed a group of people for, you know, more than five years, you've heard somebody say somewhere, if you want people to do something, let it be their idea. In many cases, you know, over 80% of the time, probably in many cases, the, the thing that has to be done is obvious. You know, again, I'll give you an example I'm talking about here in a second. It, it, you can come to no other conclusion. But if I tell them this is what we need, there's a different level of buy-in than if it's their idea. If they come up with it, if they develop the process or procedure, if they develop the the outcome or the the KPI or the measurement or whatever. If it's their idea, even if it's really the only option, there's a different level of buy-in. So my strategy is whenever possible. To let them have the win, let them have the credit for the idea, let them have all of that and figure out what's in it for them to do this thing that we've all now agreed needs to be done. So for example, I was doing some training with uh, one of my clients and we had about a half a day with the team. And this is, this could be any of the clients I work with this is a very common t- kind of a situation. And we were talking about accident prevention. In this particular case, you know, the company has a number of vehicles, uh, the, the the company you know transports materials that, and supplies that the customer buys that, that get installed and if they get damaged, there's problems with that. Of course, if there's vehicle accidents, there'd be problems with that. And one of the things I asked this group of people was, if I come back in a year, me, Brian, this outsider of your company, if I come back in a year, what is an acceptable number of vehicle accidents or injuries or property damage incidents? to happen in a year. Now, this is a company of, you know, 15, 20 people, whatever. What is a reasonable or acceptable number of accidents of those types to have and still consider ourselves to be doing a good job in accident prevention or safety, if you prefer that word? And I stopped. I stopped talking. Now, of course, they're sitting there going, well, what answer is he looking for? And so the first thing somebody said was, well, of course, zero. Zero's the answer. And that's why I said, Okay, I understand zero is the answer you're supposed to give, but what do you really think the answer is? Don't give me an answer you think it's supposed to be. Tell me what you think the answer really should be. Like, from your perspective, you, what do you think is a reasonable number of incidents like this to happen in a year where if I came back, we would still say we were doing a quote unquote good job at accident prevention? And that started a conversation that probably took about 20 minutes. And there was all kinds of different, there was really compelling points. Well, is it reasonable to say we should be perfect? That seems kind of weird. Um, although if we don't do it perfectly, like people could get hurt. Uh, thousands of dollars of damage could be done. We could have a vehicle out of commission. Um, you know, all there, They said all the things. They say all the things that we would all say. They, they're, these are reasonably intelligent people who are great at their craft. They said all the things that we would say in, a, in an honest, true discussion like this. And what happened was at the end of this 20 minutes, they agreed that, yeah, zero is the number. It has to be zero because even as unattainable as that might feel at times or unrealistic to be perfect, the alternative is you had accidents. <laughs> like it, it's just, it's so obvious, right? But my point is I didn't, I could have walked in and said, okay, henceforth, we're going to have zero accidents. And they would have had a particular level of buy-in on that, which I would argue would not be very high. They probably would have forgot I said that eight minutes after I walked out the door. But instead, because we had a conversation where I said, I really want to know what you think, like what's a reasonable goal here? What should our expectation be and what should our goal be as it relates to accident prevention? And I really want to hear what you think. I'm not just telling you something. So you'll give me the quote unquote right answer. I really want to hear what you think. And they came to the conclusion that we would have come to anyway. And and we invested 20 minutes of however many people in a meeting not out turning wrenches and producing revenue. It was an investment for the business owner for this conversation to happen. Now, think about the different level of buy-in that they had when they they went through all the conversation about, is this reasonable, is it fair, is it attainable, all that stuff. And they landed on the place that I could have very easily walked in and said, here's the expectation and saved all that time supposedly and just made the demand. But the level of buy-in would have been completely different. And one of the things I had learned about this group of people is what what makes them go, what makes them feel proud of what they do, and how they assess their own performance, and and how they how they want to be seen by their peers and their 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 manager and their business owner and their customers. And once I knew that, and we had the agreed upon expectation, I knew what's in it for them to do this. So. This is the, this, the process I would I, I learned to go through whenever possible. And this is one example of many, 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 many examples I could give. And it could be small things. It could be big things. It could be simple things. It could be complex things. It could be customer-related things. It could be performance-related things. It could be sales things. It could be attendance things. like All stuff, right? I need to understand what's in it for them to do this. Or I need to understand that... I am the one taking on the burden of making sure that it happens. And when I have to take on the burden of doing that, I can't be doing other things that I think are more productive. So if I don't figure out what's in it for them, what are the alternative compelling reasons they might have? Well, they could lose their job. That's one that many business owners just like, well, they, they, they if they want to have their job around here, they better do it. Okay, so they lose their job. So what? Like literally, like, so what? Do you, Do we think that employees right now in this moment in October of 2023 believe they can't go get another job? (laughs) Is that compelling to them? I would argue it's not as compelling as we'd want, right? Well maybe they have to endure me nagging them for, you know, a while. Like they if they don't do this, they're gonna hear about it from me tomorrow. And they walk in and they have to endure 90 seconds of me nagging them. And then what? Like then what? They go on about their day. (laughs) They go outside and they smoke a cigarette or they do what they do. They go out and have their Lunch or they go on about their life like an hour later. It's not, it's like the thing never happened. The 90 seconds never happened. They don't think about me nagging them another moment after 10 minutes after it happened. Well, they might disappoint a coworker or a customer or a manager. They might disappoint somebody. Okay. So what? Tomorrow, somebody else will just, a different person will disappoint the customer, the coworker, the manager, and it'll be like my thing never happened. <laughs> so, who has the responsibility of making sure it gets done? Me. If I, if I go about that, if that path where I'm not going to figure out what's in it for them, I'm going to just say they should because I say so. Well, then it's my responsibility to make sure it gets done. And what kind of t- effort and time commitment does that take? Infinite, right? So, which takes longer? Me figuring out how to convince them to do each thing or me figuring out with them what makes them go and why they'd want to do this? So, in my example, It was about a 20 minute conversation after we'd had about an hour conversation that I would have to have one time to figure out what's in it for these people to do things like accident prevention. One hour I spent with this group of people to figure that out. And then I, we assessed what what was a reasonable goal. It was their idea to have a zero accident expectation was their idea, hundred percent. And now guess who wants to do the thing? And yes, who doesn't have to, to tell them every seven days on their weekly meeting that the expectation is we have zero uh, accidents. The business owner, he doesn't have to do that now. Now, does that mean they don't ever talk about it again? Absolutely not. But what he will talk about is, remember how we said, collectively, you guys decided this was the, the outcome we needed. It's the only one that made sense. And here's what we said was in it for you to do this. It's an entirely different conversation than the company needs. We can't have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So which one takes longer? Having done it both ways for many years, I can tell you which one takes longer. It's the one where I don't try to figure out what's in it for them. I try to force them to do the thing because that's what I want. Which one takes more effort for me? You know, figuring out why they would want to do a thing or trying a variety of methods to get them to do it for the reason I want. Now, does this cure all failures? Nope, of course not. These are still human beings we're talking about. And I'm still a human being. And I'm still going to make mistakes in explaining things or we're asking the right questions or how I present things. And they're going to make mistakes. They're going to cut corners sometimes. They're going to, it's me Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. And they're going to want to go home. Like things like that are going to happen. So it doesn't cure everything. Absolutely not. Is it immensely easier for me? Yes. Do I consistently get better results? Absolutely. And those are the things I care about. Is it, again, I'm a selfish person. I want what I want in the easiest possible way. So, because of that, it's all about them and what they want and that's one of the critical things I learned is if if I'm gonna truly be the selfish person I am, I gotta make it all about them because then I can selfishly do the things I want to do what if that means going and doing something else on my uh, having more off time because I'm only working three or four days a week instead of five that's me being selfish doing my thing if it's me running the business or building the business and focusing on things that that grow the company rather than making sure they follow this procedure and how to do this one thing, then that's me being selfish. I get to grow grow my company instead of babysitting them to do the thing because they want to do the thing. And so it's more likely to happen without my oversight. So here's the first thing that I'd recommend is collectively, we just got to know, like, what makes these people go? Why are they doing your thing for $25 an hour versus doing a different thing for $25 an hour? If I don't know the answer to that question, I, that's a good place to start. What makes them feel like they're doing a good job? How do how do they, and then once we know that, what makes them feel like they're doing a good job? How does that feeling that they're trying to get tie into the things that you want done individually? What are the personality drivers? We've, we've talked a lot in this podcast about personality drivers and the four quadrants and internal or introvert, extrovert and task and people. Um, there's tons of stuff we talked about, go through that whole thing again, but what are their, what makes them go individually? What is, what are they trying to feel individually? What are their goals individually? What are they, you know? And I don't like the cliche, like, what do you want your career to look like in five years? I don't like that. But I essentially want to know, like, if you could wave your magic wand, what job would you have in five years? And why do you want that? And why do you care about that? And on and on we go, right? Um, if I understand those things, then I can speak to those things when I say, hey, the thing that we talked about you need to improve on, that's likely to get you this outcome you said you wanted. And it's other thing you care about. That's how you get that, right? Again, it's how do I tie the things that they want into what we need done? So this is on a, a collective basis and an individual basis. So one of the questions I get most from people on this topic is you can't mean this collectively. You can't mean the whole group. I 100% mean the whole group. I start with the whole group. And then, you know, individual coaching conversations, of course, you're going to talk about the individual stuff. But the but the group has to has to agree with this stuff as well. I don't know how this would work where you get 14 individuals and had 14 different private conversations to agree to the thing. There's no accountability then. There's no group accountability. like. It's absolutely a group thing. So um, I have tried forcing, begging, threatening, pleading, firing people as examples, suspending people, all these things. And I will just tell you, that sucked a bunch, <laughs> like a lot. It's not a fun way to go about it. And the results I got were not nearly as good as the results I got much later in my career after I started figuring out why they would want to do the thing. Once I started figuring out why they would want to do the thing, my life got a whole lot easier, both because of the effort required for me to get compliance and from consistently achieving better results. So if you find the information I share helpful, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague you think could benefit from it. Of course, public sharing is also appreciated, but these are the kinds of things that I don't know where else you get this kind of information. Uh, These are the kinds of things that people I work with get benefit from their lives, get easier. They get more freedom. It helps them figure out uh, strategies to help you know, grow their teams and develop their teams. If you know somebody who could help this and helped you, please pass it along to them. That's all I asked. And uh, that's it for this week. And I'll talk to you all next week.